News Network and the Environmental Justice Report, our Sunday show with me, Janine Moloff. I am the producer and host. This week, we're really focusing on both shows. As you know, this entire entire network began over 20 years ago when my colleague Rick Spiesack formed Progressive News Network to report on things in Florida happening, especially during the election recall of 2000. And it grew from there. And then I came on board as well, and we basically created a spinoff show, namely the Environmental Justice Report, or as I call it, EJR. This week, we have two stories. One is the Environmental Justice Report. That's our first story. And the second one is PNN, more political. So this week on EJR, on the Environmental Justice Report, and, and that's a show where we really focus on environmental Injustice, including environmental racism, but other forms of environmental crimes as well. I'm going to discuss the latest updates on what we previously discussed, the Westlake landfill slash Coldwater Creek disaster in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, multiple communities here have been literally poisoned by nuclear waste that was illegally dumped by the U.S. government and their corporate partners decades ago. There's been a further cover-up to add insult to injury. So St. Louis's were kept in the dark regarding the nuclear threat that was situated in their own backyards. Keep in mind, Westlake Landfill and its companion landfill in Bridgeton, they're both in Bridgeton, Missouri, in St. Louis County, and these suburbs were allowed to be built and the builders or whoever, the people buying these homes were never told that in their own backyards was nuclear waste. Never. So how did this come about? How how was the public alerted? Well, it took the action of a local group of moms to force this issue. And they just call themselves Just Moms. And um, they've done the work that neither political party was willing to even even hear about. So that's our first story. Uh, as it turns out, due to a Freedom of Information Act request, probably a couple of years ago, by unnamed groups in the Associated Press uh, article, um, some 15,000 pages of documents were finally released, and it's damning. It's really damning. So that's our first story. And keep in mind, this whole Westlake issue, it involves Westlake Landfill, Bridgeton Landfill, Coldwater Creek, and Weldon Spring, Missouri. We're going to talk about part of it today, and this is going to be an ongoing thing. All right, I'll alert you when EJR is going to be covering this because there's no way we're going to get through all of this information in one little show. So that's our first story. Now, the second story is the PNN part, and it's about the growth of what is now called ultra-MAGA extremists and the running for office. Now, this time, the lead bigot or lead, you know, baby Nazi is a man named Anthony Sabatini, who's running for the U.S. Congress from Florida. Now, Sabatini is a licensed attorney, and so is his wife, by the way. So he knows better, but he's gone on record via Twitter clearly stating that he intends to destroy the political left. Now, this threat, you're kind of wondering what he means by that. It can only be viewed, in my opinion, for what it is, which is criminal incitement 
to eventually uh, lead a genocide sometime in the near future. So I'm going to discuss that a bit. We will also have a segment, you know, of course, My Little Margie. And we'll have the Jackass of the Week Award. And at the end of the show, we will enjoy the erudite stylings of Randy Rainbow. Uh, and then some final thoughts. So let's get started. Oh, by the way, any callers come in, because we've had some recently, I'm letting you know I will only take calls the last 15 minutes of the show or when I finish everything else, if we have time. If not, too bad. Uh, need to remind you, here at PNN and EJR, we pay for this time. And I'm not going to have somebody freeload off of it. Uh, again, I think last week I spoke about you know, commenters and their culture. I have no use for it. I'm going to tell you that right now because people like me do the hard work of digging through the docs and then people comment like the little peanut gallery when maybe they read a post on Facebook or something like that and they don't know what they're talking about. So not going to entertain that. All right, so let's go on with our first story. Now, there's going to be a few hiccups along the way because when I was downloading the materials that I'm actually uh, covering, eh, I kind of got it in the wrong order. <laughs> so kind of bear with me. So we're first going to go to the Westlake story. Okay. And I call this story lies, lies, and still more damn lies. Government propaganda covering up the dangers of nuclear. Um, and again, this is based on a story. Apparently, the Associated Press, in conjunction with Muckrock, and I believe it was um, Missouri Independent, they collaborated and went over some of these 15,000-page documents. Now, the people in the area, they were ecstatic to get this reporting, and it's under, I'm not tearing them down at all. Just Moms and the people in this area have nothing but my support. But they're not journalists. They're not experts in nuclear. They, the Just Moms have done a phenomenal job, okay? Um, I have nothing but respect for them. But sometimes when journalists look like they're doing the job, they really aren't. A story isn't merely about what they state, like a, long, like a grocery list. It's also what they omit. And in this story from the AP, the Associated Press, uh, what you're going to notice is that while there's a lot of blame for the government, the military contracts, in other words, the corporations also equally responsible, eh, it kind of got brushed off, all right? And that's something we need to deal with. So let's look at the Associated Press story. So the headline is how America's push for the atomic bomb spawned enduring radioactive waste problems in St. Louis. Okay. And it was published just this past week. So, you know, what a lot of people throughout the U.S. don't realize is, yes, people know that, for instance, the first atomic test took place in New Mexico. But the bomb itself, a large part of it, was created here in St. Louis. And a lot of the radioactive materials um, were right here in St. Louis through Mallinckrodt Corporation and a few others. And this is some, we have some of the most 
some of the oldest, most dangerous radioactive materials known to mankind here in St. Louis. And what a lot of people don't understand with, ra- with nuclear waste is that the older spent fuel, the older waste gets, the more dangerous it becomes. So the federal government, according to the AP, and as well as the companies responsible, um, here, I'm going to just read the first line of this story, okay? Quote, the federal government and companies responsible for nuclear bomb production and atomic waste storage sites in the St. Louis area in the mid-20th century were aware of health risks, spills, improperly stored contaminants, and other problems but often ignored them, according to documents reviewed by the Associated Press, end quote. So that last part that's really damning, these concerns, these legitimate problems were ignored. I'm going to point out that they were ignored by both the government and the companies involved, the corporations. Also keep in mind, we got the documents, this is me talking, proving this massive poisoning was due to a plan of what I would call willful negligence by both the companies involved and the federal government because of the Just Moms group, because they wouldn't give up no matter what. Administration after administration, these ladies kept pushing, and God bless them, or we wouldn't have this information now. Make no mistake about it. They deserve a Medal of Honor or something. But I also want to point out the fact that the AP kind of kind of fritters away. Both parties, in other words, Democrats and Republicans, are equally culpable on this environmental crime against humanity, and that's what it is. So, you know, it's decades later. Now, the next sentence really got me irritated. It says, quote, decades later, even with much of the cleanup complete, the after effects haunt the region, end quote. Now, here's where the AP got it wrong. When they said, much, quote, much of the cleanup, that being complete, that's not true. Much of the cleanup is not complete. What was com- allegedly completed was a, a so-called cleanup in Weldon Spring. Weldon Spring is uh, a more rural area, and that was remediated, um, but St. Louis was not. Okay. And this is relevant because the AP environmental reporting, you know, you'll, I went through this, and at the end of the article, it says that the AP, quote, receives support from the Walton Family Foundation for coverage of water and environmental policy, end quote. This is relevant because the Associated Press is admitting they get money from the Walton Family Foundation. The Walton Family is Walmart, Okay. These are part of corporate conservative companies that, um, you know, don't want the full truth to come out. So for the AP to write an article this strong, the evidence must be pretty damning. Okay, back to this. So federal health investigators did admit that there is an increased cancer risk for some people who, for instance, as children, now adults, played in a creek Uh, that was contaminated with uranium waste, okay? And this is what the people of Bridgeton had to deal with. And, you know, Coldwater Creek was contaminated. And it was a little creek. Part of it was, like, uh, adjacent to their, you know, their uh, suburban backyards. The kids played in it. Nobody ever told the people who bought homes there that there was this risk. 
Nobody. Okay? In fact, it was so bad. There was a grade school in the area that was closed last year, according to the AP News, um, because of radiation concerns. The radiation had actually leached into the grade school. I think it's called Jana Elementary. Uh, now, the AP did mention that a landfill operator spending millions to, uh, this is a quote, quote, a landfill operator spending millions to keep underground smoldering uh, from reaching nuclear waste illegally dumped in the 1970s, end quote. Okay, here's the deal. There are, this is a story of two landfills. You have the Westlake landfill where uh, basically nuclear waste was illegally dumped. Okay. Then adjacent to it, you have the Bridgeton landfill. The landfill operator is Republic Waste. And guess who the majority stockholder of Republic Waste is? Bill Gates. And they called, I remember this meeting because it was about five years ago. No, more than, more than five years ago. It was in 2015, I believe, and then in 2019. Again, um, the, the Bridgeton landfill, they said, has an underground smolder. No, they called it a subsurface smoldering event. Well, subsurface is translation, underground, smoldering. What smolders? Fire. What caused it? What usually causes it in landfills that are improperly maintained? Methane. This underground smoldering event or subsurface smoldering event is nothing more than an underground methane fire that has been raging on for years, as methane fires will, and they occur in landfills that have been, that have been overloaded and thus improperly vented. That's it. You know, if the landfill operator had done what they were supposed to do regarding the maintenance, we wouldn't have this underground methane fire. It happens due to a pattern of willful negligence, nothing more. Um, and that is a sign of criminal neglect. But again, notice how the AP just says the landfill operator is spending millions. Yeah, and that's as documented, again, by AP News. So what? Now, the danger to this, and I wrote an article about it back in 2015, is that as the underground methane fire gets dangerously close in one landfill to the illegally dumped nuclear waste in the other, um, we could have the risk of basically the the mother of all dirty bombs. Now, a lot of people don't understand what a dirty bomb is. It is not a bomb that goes boom and destroys a building. A dirty bomb is a release, a massive release of radioactive particulates into the air. You can't see it. You might smell it, but you can't see it. It's just this sudden release, enormous release of radioactive particulates into the air. It's a really bad thing. Okay? And nothing much has happened. They're spending millions. Yeah. But see, the people here, there was a big debate here. Um, originally, the EPA wanted to just, I think it was, cap it off. You know, just cap off the Westlake landfill, and that's it. This, is, this magical mound of dirt will control everything. And the community didn't want that because we knew it wasn't going to work. We wanted the waste removed. That's it. And, of course, that would cost a lot more money, and EPA didn't want to do it. And when you blame EPA and other groups, what people don't understand is years ago, you know, it used to be when the EPA was first formed that 
if a polluter, you know, the idea is if you broke it, you fix it. If a polluter was found to be guilty, the polluter would have to pay reparations to fix it. Then the Republicans took over Congress, and that was changed so that the polluter was kind of let off the hook, and the taxpayer picked up the tab. And then as they kept deregulating and cutting you know, budget for EPA, there was not much money left to actually take care of these Superfund sites. Westlake is a Superfund site. That's been neglected. Okay, let's make no mistake about it. So this particular story, the AP examined hundreds of pages of these internal memos, inspection reports, and, quote, as they call other items that go all the way back to the 1950s. And what the AP found was, quote, nonchalance and indifference to the risk of materials used in the development of nuclear weapons during and after World War II, end quote. Yeah, that's accurate. Now, the story, again, is part of a collaboration that's ongoing between the Missouri Independent, um, Muckrock, which is a nonprofit newsroom, and the Associated Press. Muckrock does good work. Missouri Independent does. I'm not thrilled with the Associated Press at this point in time. Uh, again, the AP piece goes on to say, quote, the government documents were obtained by outside researchers through the Freedom of Information Act and shared with the news organizations, end quote. My question is, in this article, why didn't the AP name those outside researchers? We have a right to know. Hopefully we're going to stay on air. I just saw... The weather is really blowing out there. We've had massive winds in this area that uprooted trees. So if we suddenly blip off, you know why. Okay. So there was uh, cited by the AP a 1966 government inspection report on a specific site in St. Louis County. And it noted that, quote, in a number of places along the roadway, material that later tested positive for radioactivity, appeared to have fallen from vehicles, end quote. Uh, There was a follow-up inspection three months later, according to this 1966 government inspection report, and the material that tested positive for radioactivity that was laying in the road was still laying in the road. I kid you not. That's 1966. Okay, so the company that was responsible for that tidbit at that point in time in that area was a group called Continental Mining and Milling Company. Now, they were saying that they were having problems with the contractor they hired. I think, okay, you think contractor, like another company, right? You know, somebody that maybe has a little expertise, at least definitely has equipment, so on and so forth. Nope. According to the article, the contractor, the Continental Mining and Milling Company, was having problem with regarding this radioactive material still sitting in the road was, get this, quote, a lone man who used a shovel and broom to pick up the atomic waste and put it in a pickup truck, end quote. I kid you not. Keep in mind, this isn't me reporting. This is the Associated Press. The next line in the article is, quote, the company was not penalized, end quote. But, again, the Associated Press failed to question why the company was left off the hook. The Associated Press reporter failed to question 
uh, the people, you know, find out, okay, who was responsible for letting the company off the hook? Who ordered this this pattern of willful indifference and willful, willful negligence and willful ignorance? This is the problem with incomplete reporting. You know, if the AP said something like, okay, we didn't get a response, we will get back to you, that would have been one thing, but they didn't. Then after the line, the company was not penalized, the very next line in the article is, quote, the AP review didn't uncover evidence of criminal wrongdoing. What it did find were repeated instances where companies, contractors, or the government could have addressed significant problems, but didn't, end quote. Okay, again, these reporters missed the mark. When you have problems leading to contamination and the risk of extreme illness and death are found due to official neglect, that is a criminal offense. In fact, a pattern of official neglect isn't the only crime. But I'm, I'm sorry, let me go back here. A pattern of official neglect is not the only crime. But when a company or government follows an official plan of willful ignorance, and that's the legal term, that is criminal. Now, I'm going to discuss this idea of willful ignorance in the law at a later date and also in an article I'm working on. But I looked up some law school sources, and there is such a thing called willful ignorance. And corporations use it all the time. All right? They, they just do. Uh, well, we didn't know that would happen because, you know, it wasn't reported to us. But if it's presumed to, a bit, to have that knowledge is considered just, you know, something reasonable, then, yeah, it does become a crime. It's not an excuse. Um, now, the group Just Moms STL, or Just Moms St. Louis, you know, the, the two leaders are Don Chapman and Karen Nickel, and they're both lovely people. And Don was quoted, um, you know, she, she mentioned that, you know, this region saved our country, you know, with the work on the nuclear program. But she also said, quote, we are a national sacrifice zone, end quote. And she's right. Um, and so... You know, these two ladies, they just wouldn't take no for an answer. God, I hope we stay on the air. I'm going to be honest with you. This is looking bad outside. I'm just letting you know. Um, that's blowing really hard. I hope we are okay. So let's get back to the story. St. Louis really has a historic role, according to the AP, in the development of the nuclear bomb. And, you know, most people know that the nuclear bomb was tested in New Mexico, but a lot of the work to develop it involved uranium, and that's where a company called Mallinckrodt Chemical Company came in. They were a major processor of uranium uh, into an ultra-concentrated form that was going to be further refined elsewhere, and that would become the material that was that would go into nuclear uh, weaponry. And um, there was... This AP piece quoted a historian at the St. Louis Community College named Gwendolyn Verhoff. She said, quote, this, she said, this is an enterprise of heavy industry, end quote. So really months after the Pearl Harbor attack, Mallinckrodt began processing uranium, you know, in a spot real near downtown. Okay. Now, at the end of the war, after the war in 1946, 
after Mallinckrodt had been processing this uranium pretty much near downtown, okay? You know, I think it was like walking distance. Then the government bought land further out near the airport, and they began basically hiring trucks to just haul this nuclear waste from the Mellencrod facility downtown out by the airport. Now, that was one part of it. Then, beginning in 1941, the government began making explosives at a new plant in Weldon Spring, which now it's a small town. Back then it was like country. Um, but Weldon Spring, there's a pretty heavily populated area like five miles from Weldon Spring called O'Fallon, Missouri. You know, again, this they're carting this stuff around. Production ended in 1945, but, you know, According to this article, quote, but not before soil, sediments, and some springs were contaminated, end quote. Now, in 1957, the Atomic Energy Commission opened the plant in Weldon Spring, and then Mallinckrodt moved their uranium processing there. Now, I'm going to read straight from the article, quote, radioactive waste contaminated the area, including a large quarry, that eventually became a super fun cleanup site in 1987. The rest of the Weldon Springs site was added two years later, end quote. Now, this is the part that was cleaned up. Weldon Spring was remediated, but St. Louis was totally neglected, even though St. Louis is the major population center in this state. It would be like, hmm, somebody had a bunch of nuclear waste that they ignored in the middle of Manhattan, Okay, but they cleaned up a little area in Buffalo. You know, small town versus population center. Both should be cleaned up, but you get the drift. Um, now, the AP mentioned a, a co-director of a documentary about this region's nuclear history. Uh, that person's name is Allison Carrick, and the documentary is titled The First Secret City. And Carrick said that after the war, there were companies that thought the byproducts of this radioactive material could be sold, but they found out that it couldn't be. It wasn't, they couldn't use it. So the waste was just, the AP says, quote, so the waste moved to new sites contaminating more land, contaminating more land near more people. Okay, that's a nice way of putting it. The waste was dumped. It was illegal dumped. You know, makes it move to new sites makes it sound like, well, they kind of tried to do things right. No, they didn't. It was illegally dumped. Workers carried this stuff. There was dust particulates, radioactive particulates, on their dungarees, on their boots as they went home and exposed their families because nobody was warned. That's a fact. These people were lied to, and their health was damaged. Their communities were This is a crime against humanity. Make no mistake about it. I'm not, and again, both Democrats and Republicans, equally responsible. This went on through multiple presidential administrations. This went on from, let's see, FDR, then Truman, right? Then Eisenhower, then what? Uh, Kennedy, Nixon, um, let's see, Carter, George Bush Sr. No, I'm sorry. Carter, then Reagan, then George Bush Sr., then Clinton, then W. Bush, Obama, Trump, and now Biden. Okay, you can't just blame one party. 
both responsible. And throughout all of this, especially since the mom's group formed, they had been pestering, they had been basically after these politicians who chose to do nothing. Okay, I'm going to turn some things off. Hold on one second, folks. Uh, I don't want to lose my electric, so give me a second. Play the intro. Okay, and we're back. Sorry about that. It just looked a little bad out there, so I had to turn a few things off. Hopefully I won't lose electric, although the computer is charged up. All right, so back to this. Um, Again, both Democratic and Republican administrations were fully aware. There was documentation proving they knew what would happen. They didn't care. Now, for those of you that don't, don't live in the region, the human tendency to say, well, but that's not here. If they can do it to people here, I guarantee you it's been done elsewhere and will continue to do so. Because this is this pattern of willful negligence leading to this crime against humanity happens when government officials sell out to corporate raiders. Okay, because they're not accountable to the people. Okay, keep in mind, there hasn't been a single criminal prosecution in this. Not one. And see, there needs to be. This is going to keep happening until some, not only some government officials, but until some top executives are criminally tried, prosecuted, and incarcerated for very long periods of time. Because right now, there is no, there's no consequences for them. They don't have to live here. So the waste was basically illegally dumped. Then in 1966, the Atomic Energy Commission, get this, this is straight from the article. Quote, in 1966, the Atomic Energy Commission demolished and buried buildings at the airport site. End quote. Okay, I can understand if buildings are old and you demolish them and you build something new. Why would you bury them? Okay. You bury them if you want to hide the fact that there's radioactivity. You don't want you're hoping no one will notice. Yeah. And in nineteen sixty six, let's see, that would have been President Johnson after Kennedy had been assassinated. Okay? Now continental mining and milling moved the waste to 9200 Laddie Avenue, which is in Bridgeton. They just piled it up. Big old heap, according to the commission. Uh, keep in mind, there were radioactive barrels just piled up in the open. I kid you not. According to the article, quote, storage was so haphazard that even the path to the site was contaminated by trucks that spread waste on their halls from 1966 to 1969, end quote. And so this article shows a picture of Coldwater Creek, um, because, and it, that's 
that's relevant because the next uh, next line in the article is quote tons of that nuclear waste flowed into Coldwater Creek, contaminating the often flooding waterway in adjacent yards for 14 miles. End quote. And that was according to state and federal investigators. 14 miles. Again, nobody in the public was told this. These people bought homes in good faith, thinking this was their, their middle class dream, only to find a nightmare that was caused by a collaboration between criminals in the federal government and in corporate. And I will call them criminals because that's what they are. It gets worse. In 1973, a company called Cotter Corporation was a uranium processor. They took what is called this, this hazardous material, which is called leached barium sulfate, from Laddie Avenue to the Westlake Landfill, also in Bridgeton. And the material did contain uranium residue. Now, this article mentions the fact that, yes, you know, the government cleanup, Walden Spring, has been cleaned up, supposedly. But the site's also considered, according to the article, quote, permanently damaged and will require oversight into perpetuity, end quote. Okay? Now, how did they basically remediate the nuclear contamination of Weldon Spring? Oh, this is a good one. Quote, rather than remove the waste, the government built a 75-foot-tall mound covered in rock to serve as a permanent disposal cell for much of the waste. The government said the site is safe, but some local residents still worry, end quote. Now, I'm not an engineer. I'm not an expert in nuclear materials. But my question is, how is this safe? I guess they figure if they build it deep enough. The problem with putting it underground, how can, even with, oh boy, lights blinked. Even with, let's say, um, oops. Folks, I'm going to turn out this light. I do not want to lose electric. Hold on. Sorry about that. Okay. Even with, um, lost my place here. Even if, let's say, burying it in a 75-foot mound underground, let's say, we'll keep it from the air. Here in the Midwest, we have a, some of our water comes from the river, but it also comes from an underground aquifer. How do they not under, how do they not think that some of this material won't leach into the water table, won't leach into fields that grow crops? Now, chances are maybe it won't, but again, this is something where. Let's face it, there's no such thing as safe nuclear anything, in my opinion. Um, none of this should be near a populated area, and these suburbs shouldn't have been allowed to be built on the, anywhere near those grounds. Okay, Not only do the people in these areas deserve uh, payment for medical injuries, they really need to be bought out. They need payment for new homes elsewhere. That's it. Okay. Now, the article cites that there's some 5,300 people that live in Weldon Spring. 
Um, tens of thousands, though, live within a few miles in neighboring O'Fallon. Now, the article goes on to say, quote, federal officials plan to remove some of the waste at Westlake Landfill and cap the rest, end quote. This community didn't want it capped. They wanted it removed. Okay? Because, again, Westlake Landfill is one landfill right next to it is the Bridgeton Landfill with the underground methane fire. Removing some of it and capping the rest is not an option. Not once that methane fire was discovered in the adjacent landfill. That's insane. So, according to the article, cleanup of Coldwater Creek is pretty far along, but they don't expect to finish that until 2038. 2038. We're in 2023 right now. Do the math. Think about that for a minute. 2038, and it gets worse. Um, and the cleanup efforts thus far have cost taxpayers more than $1 billion, with a B, dollars. Uh, again, the reason it costs taxpayers instead of the polluters is because of the way the polluters were let off the hook by Republicans when they reauthorized the Superfund law. That's what happened. We will talk about that in another show. Um, and then, of course, there's the magical fence. There is this chain link fence around the Westlake landfill, and this is a super fun site. Now, before the EPA took the community seriously, apparently this chain link fence was a magical fence, and the the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers kept saying. You know, it's contained, okay? This radioactive dirt, contaminated dirt, it's not going to affect all of you past the fence. It's not going to get on other people's land. It's not going to go into the air or the water. Okay. I mean, not only did they lie to the community, they told incredibly stupid lies. Okay? Now, the Atomic Energy Commission is the one responsible for the nation's nuclear weapons program, but they, they were abolished in the 70s. Uh, and that was because of the mishandling of nuclear safety. Department of Energy is now responsible for overseeing our nuclear weapons and waste. Keep in mind, this is where these private companies come in. One of the two of the private corporations that hold responsibility are also major contractors. One of them is Exelon. They love they love creating more nuclear energy. Okay. And they, through that, they create electricity. And the other is General Atomic, which is a major Pentagon um, contractor. They haven't been held responsible. And Department of Energy is pretty much not going to hold them responsible. Uh, again, I remember when I did my article on this back in 2015. You know, people just say, well, Janine, you're a leftist. You know, you're going to be biased. And I'm going... Actually, I was every bit as harsh on the Obama administration as I have been on the Trump administration regarding this issue because the truth changes for no one. So getting back to this now, uh, Department of Energy, um, you know, they've detailed the environmental damage, yada, yada, yada. Now the Army Corps of Engineers handles the cleanup at several former nuclear program sites, including in St. Louis. 
Now, Army Corps, according to this article, quote, Army Corps spokesman George Stringham said cleanup is their focus. He was quoted as saying, quote, the historic storing, hauling, and transportation methods have contributed significantly to the challenges we face today, end quote. Now, the AP, in all fairness, did mention that they had phoned and sent email messages to uh, obtain commentary or responses from both Mellencrod and General Atomics. General Atomics acquired Cotter Corporation in 2000. They weren't returned. Uh, Continental Mining and Milling no longer exist. Keep in mind, General Atomics is a, not a Fortune 500. It's a Fortune 250 company and a major Pentagon contractor. Make no mistake about it. This is big money. Uh, one of the others, when I mentioned Exxon, Exxon took over another company, and they purchased in that takeover the liability. Okay? This is what we're talking about here. I'm going to check our time. Okay. We're doing okay. So, you know, this AP piece goes into, you know, how the environment was ignored. Okay? Um, you know, a year after World War One was won, Winston Churchill came to the small Missouri town, and, and you know, actually, there's a, a small college named after him. And um, you know, but in America's push for nuclear dominance, again, the problem of nuclear waste just it was just dumped. It was illegally dumped. Period. And according to this article, the official quote officials were indifferent to the hazards posed by materials that were so vital for the nuclear program, end quote. It goes on to say, quote, the focus was on speed and secrecy. The environment was secondary, okay, end quote. Now, the AP has this memo as an example, and it was from 1953 from somebody named Merrill Eisenbud. Now, Eisenbud was a health and safety division director for the Atomic Energy Commission, and this was a memo um, concerning what they call barium, a barium cake spill. Barium cake is used, it, it, it's, it is a very dangerous nuclear material, okay? And apparently there was a barium cake spill uh, that kind of went on for a half mile of road. I kid you not. Uh, in fact, according to this, it was, there was this barium cake spill, and it, was, it covered a half mile of road, the shoulder and part of a cornfield just to give you an idea how insane this was uh, and with this memo and this concern Eisenberg wrote that in his opinion quote no emergency existed end quote Eisenberg went on to say quote a decision as to what action to take will undoubtedly involve a balance between costs potential risk public relations aspects end quote in other words, the health and safety of the public was acceptable collateral damage. Not the article, me. I'm saying that. Then there was another memo from 1966, and there was a senior radiation specialist for the Atomic Energy Commission. Um, and it was noted that, again, at, at the Continental Company, an inspector found, get this, a pile of uranium material Quote, I'm going to say, let me read this, okay? Quote, it was noted that in that at Continental, an inspector found a pile of uranium material 
30 feet wide, 100 feet long, and nearly 8 feet high. That was not in a secure area behind fencing and a lock gate as the contract required. It goes on to say about 100 barrels of miscellaneous residues were also were found outside the fenced area, end quote. Just let that wrap around your brains, okay? The on-site manager said he just wasn't familiar with storage requirements. That's according to what the inspector wrote in this in this memo in 1966, okay? So then they went to the company's vice president in Chicago. Nothing happened. The vice president of this um of this company, Continental, quote, immediately submitted that most of what the inspector was talking about was not understood. He went on to explain that he had taken over as executive vice president at CMM, Continental Mining and Milling, as a protection of the money invested by a number of individuals, end quote. And here's the damning line. Oops, sorry. Quote, Continental was not penalized, end quote. Do you see a pattern here? Company does stuff, willful neglect, willful ignorance, truly criminal. Not a single corporate executive was penalized. There was not a single corporate executive was criminally investigated and prosecuted. This wasn't just in St. Louis. You've got it at Los Alamos, um, where waste was thrown into nearby canyons. Okay. Uh, the AP article did mention... Uh, a quote by Edwin Lyman, who is the director of nuclear power safety with the Union of Concerned Scientists. And Lyman said, quote, handling waste was shielded from any greater public oversight or attention, end quote. Well, that's an understatement. Um, and environmental standards, you, know, you can claim, well, they didn't know. Except that's not really true. The scientists knew. The Pentagon surely knew. Okay. These companies, the, the engineers working for these companies most likely knew. But the decisions were made by money men. The decisions were made by money men who bribed government officials, whether it's contributions, whatever. They did. This is what happened. This is what happens when you have a culture where there is legalized bribery of government officials. Period. Okay. Now, there was another 1966 report, and again, it was Continental Milling and Mining. They used uh, the Nuclear Consultant Corporation's field badge service to track radiation exposure among workers. This is, again, 1966. Quote, the report found radiation levels so high for some workers that some of the company doubted the results. They did not see how people could be getting that much exposure, end quote. The memo also showed no evidence that any action was taken. This is what we're dealing with here. Okay. Mm. Need a little, little, a little um, water here. All right. So it it gets worse. Okay. The article goes on to discuss some of the families that were just devastated. Okay, um, and, and again, this is not just a one-time. We're going to be discussing this uh, 
on a routine basis. All right. Uh, people came down with mysterious cancers. Okay, throughout the area. Okay, uh, which is why one of the reasons why Don Chapman and Karen Nickel formed the Just Moms group. They were worried about just all these unusual illnesses and rare cancers in their neighborhoods. Okay. Now, in 2019, I remember this meeting. I was there. There's a federal agency for toxic substances and disease registry, and they issued a report that found people who regularly played in Coldwater Creek as children from the 1960s to the 1990s may have a slight increased risk of bone cancer, lung cancer, and leukemia. The agency determined that those exposed daily to the creek starting in the 2000s when cleanup began could have a small increased risk of lung cancer, end quote. I was at that meeting. First of all, they sent a young officer, and she was a scientist. She was very bright. But when I asked a very, I asked a very pointed question, you know, what do they base that assumption on? Where's the data? She just looked at me, couldn't answer. And I just said, you're basically covering up the real data, aren't you? Dead silence. You know, she looked so, so guilty, so devastated. And, you know, once again, this is, they've downplayed it. They, up till now, they've hidden the real data. Now it's coming out. Once again, um, you know, keep in mind that same agency in 2019 was also helping to provide um, radon detectors and and they were pushing for people to to use these in their homes. Now, radon is a proven carcinogen and is it is it comes from certain forms of nuclear materials. Boom. Okay. So, the AP you know article, they did this both sides crap. So they quoted a professor of radiation medicine at Georgetown University named Tim Jorgensen. Now, Jorgensen, and they said, well, some experts are, are skeptical. And Jorgensen was, said the biggest risk factor is age and local radiations, you know, for cancers, for age and local radiations contribution, and it'd be hard to detect. In fact, Jorgensen quoted as saying, quote, the public also tends to overestimate the risk of radiation-induced cancer, end quote. My question to the AP is this. You used a professor of radiation medicine. Why? He's, why didn't they also quote an expert, you know, a scientist on nuclear technology, a scientist on, you know, base, uh, nuclear engineering? Okay, this doctor is going to have a very limited understanding even, a, you know, when you're talking radiation medicine, you're talking about the use of chemotherapy and you're talking about x-rays and things of that nature. You're not talking about exposure to massive quantities of nuclear, raw, raw nuclear waste for decades. This was an improper source. Okay. Now, they cited the AP a story did cite another nuclear expert named Arjun Mahajani, 
who is not only a nuclear expert, but president of the Institute for Energy and Environmental Research, which I haven't looked up yet, but I will. Now, he said that basically the government's sloppy handling of nuclear contamination for decades has made people doubt official promises that conditions are safe now. Um, again, notice how the government's being solely blamed, but little blame questioning the corporations who profited from this, you know, from this nonsense. Uh, in fact, let's um, let's look that up right now. Institute for Energy and Environmental Research. I'm curious, folks. Is let's look at it. Institute for I just got to do this now for energy and environmental research. There it is. Let's see who funds them. Okay. All right. Well, they are an anti-nuclear organization. All right. Okay. At least that. Um, They focus on the environmental safety of nuclear weapons production, ozone layer depletion, other issues relating to energy. Okay. So, you know, there isn't a lot of trust. Okay. There is zero trust. It's true. Of course, there's going to be a little more water. So to give you an example here, one of the residents in Bridgeton with a serious illness, a lot of these people met at Karen Nichols' house. Keep in mind, Just Moms, these ladies operate their group, this group, from their homes. (laughs) I mean, seriously. (laughs) And they did get a flash drive with these 15,000 pages of documents, but they only have one computer between the two of them to try and replicate that flash drive. I mean, these ladies, they're doing this their own time. I mean, Dawn quit her job to dedicate herself to this. They're doing a public service, and as I said before, (laughs) they deserve medals. Hmm. So one of the people came up with these horrible illnesses, Jim Gaffney. Um, I just lost my plate. Yeah. Gaffney's now in his 60s. He grew up in the 1960s playing in Coldwater Creek. In fact, his, according to the article, quote, his childhood home backed up to the waterway. Gaffney's quote is saying, quote, I was always in the creek. Told not to, but we had seven kids. Mom couldn't watch us all. We just thought it was fun. We built mudslides and everything. I'm sure I got exposed, end quote. <laughs> and sure enough, he and his wife, they they love the neighborhood, so they moved into a home in the same neighborhood. Their kids grew up playing in a park that backs to the creek. Sure enough, Gaffney was diagnosed with stage 4 Hodgkin lymphoma in 81. He has received a bone marrow transplant that saved his life. But between radiation, chemotherapy, and all that, it's taken quite a toll on him. So to quote Gaffney now, quote, now I've got hypertension, heart failure. I've had at least five bladder tumors removed since 95. I'm still here, but it's not been easy. Excuse me. But to make it worse, their son has battled thyroid cancer since 98 when the kid was only 18 years old. Okay. Uh, Trisha Burns, who went on to run for office, she swam and welded in spring quarries as a teenager. 
Eight years, according to this article, quote, eight years ago, her 15-year-old son was diagnosed with a rare cancer of the thymus. She wonders about a connection, end quote. So, excuse me, she successfully ran as a Republican for the Missouri House, and she is pushing for federal compensation, okay? Now, this, it, it, it gets worse. Now we get to the elementary school in Florissant, Missouri, Jana Elementary. Last October, these people hired a private scientist. Actually, let me back up here. Last October, there was a private scientist that was hired by lawyers that are involved in lawsuits um, over the Coldwater Creek contamination. And the scientists conducted a study, and that was the study that suggested that Jana Elementary School in Florissant was contaminated by radioactive materials. Okay? Here's where it's really damning. Quote, the Army Corps of Engineers followed up with its own study indicating the school and playground were safe. End quote. I don't know how they could indicate that. This is an elementary school. This cover-up is damning. Now, to his credit, and I'm no fan of Senator Hawley. Senator Hawley, um, you know, did did talk about Westlake on the floor of the Senate. He said he's introducing legislation that would pay medical bills, quote, for people with cancer and autoimmune, you know, connected to the contamination. Okay. That sounds lovely on one hand, and people, they have some hope right now, a little bit of hope. But here's the problem. And, and again, you know, the, the coverage of medical bills, it would have to be people with cancer, cancer that's been proven to be connected to the contamination. Unfortunately, the 2019 federal report on Coldwater Creek said that, quote, no method exists to link a particular cancer with exposure to local radiation, okay? Hawley said, quote, it is clear today that further action is needed because the federal government has caused this harm. Okay, but again, according to the 2019 federal report of Coldwater Creek, I'm going to reiterate, quote, no method exists to link a particular cancer with exposure to local radiation. So what good is this bill? Okay, and that's the thing. Even though people in the community are praising Holly, this bill looks like a Trojan horse. The people in this area need and deserve reparations, not deceit and trickery. But Holly's running for re-election. Where was he back in 2019? Where was he back in 2015? Nowhere to be found. Okay. If you want a bill, let's have a clean bill that whether it's – since we don't have any way to clearly, you know, link the cancer to the radiation supposedly, then let's just cover all the people there and be done with it. See, that's the hook. Holly, Holly's an an Ivy League trained lawyer. He knows what he's saying. So once again, this is our first story. And what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to turn on intro music, take a break.
All right, and we're back. Okay, so again, the whole thing with Westlake and Coldwater Creek, this is going to be an ongoing investigation with uh, on the environmental justice report. There's much more information. Um, that's part one today. There will be more, I guarantee it. Okay, so now we're going to go to our second story. This is the Progressive News Network, the political side of things, as opposed to environmental political. And this deals with the growth of what they call ultra-MAGA extremists, and they're running for office. And um, this one, young man, his name is Anthony Sabatini, 34 years old. He did serve in the military. He is a licensed attorney in Florida, as is his wife. Now, my source this time is Newsweek. And uh, need I remind you, Newsweek used to be... (laughs) Used to be, albeit corporate, but at least a reasonable source. Now they're really leaning conservative. But this is something, Sabatini was caught on camera saying the following, quote, we need to extinguish the left. You know, words of power, as we know. So Sabatini's a, a Republican of Florida. He's running for Congress. He is presently the chair of the Lake County GOP, and he made these remarks during a speech uh, he was giving to the Florida Teenage Republicans Youth Summit in Leesburg on June 17th. Now, according to what I saw, quote, this is according to videos posted on Twitter by Lauren Windsor, the creator of the political web show, The Undercurrent. Now, to let you know, Sabatini is an ally of Donald Trump's. He's an ex-member of the Florida House of Representatives, and he's challenging another Republican, uh, Daniel Webster, in the state's 11th congressional district. Now, during the speech, Sabatini talks about a lot of things, including defunding of government schools and gutting government agencies. Excuse me. Let's see if I can get that particular... um, that particular uh, video, uh, audio for you. Give me a second here. We're waiting. Takes a minute. We're looking, we're looking, we're looking. Okay. We had it. Kind of bear with me, folks. This thing is really slow. Okay, here we go. We're waiting, we're waiting. Okay, it's filtering. We're having problems with this one. So I'm going to try and go. Oh, here we go. That's loud. Okay, that's not it. Let me, we want to actually get the tweet here. Give me a second here. Otherwise, I'll have to read it. Here we go.
Okay. Okay, so we need to extinguish the left. Isn't that something? All right, I'm back here again. Now, my question, checking our time here, okay. You had to hear that yourself, okay. My question is exactly how far is Sabatini willing to go beyond defunding the government and the left? When he called for extinguishing the left, what is he proposing? Is he attempting to incite a violent genocide while hiding behind vague political slogans? It's something that we need to consider. And then when he talks about gutting the DOJ like a fish, okay, getting rid of these government agencies, well, what's left then? States' rights. Sounds to me a lot like a successionist. Sounds to me like Sabatini would be fine with civil war if need be. And when he calls for extinguishing the left, destroying them, to me, that does sound like he is, you know, that, like that's bigot code for let's do a genocide. Okay? Now, Sabatini has been linked with Trump, and he's enjoyed quite a few photo ops with, you know, what I call the obese orange one. So, you know, this is something we have to deal with. Sabatini is very, very dangerous. Now, Windsor's tweet you know, Sabatini did respond with the word, it all in caps, BASED, B as in ball, A-S-E-D. Now, what does BASED mean? Well, here's the thing. BASED has a couple different meanings. When I looked up the dictionary, it's a slang term, and it was originally meant to be, quote, addicted to crack cocaine or acting like you were. Uh, and then it was reclaimed by rapper Lil B., and it meant being yourself, not caring what other people think of you. But base has been appropriated by the alt-right online, quote, as a general term of praise, as if unwoke. Now, the big part here is it's appropriated by the alt-right. Make no mistake about it. They don't like calling themselves anything that the alt-right is code for neo-Nazis. Period. And in my opinion, that's what I think Sabatini is. Now, I did place a call to Sabatini's law office. It was kind of late. I haven't heard back from them. I doubt if I will, but I wanted to at least be fair. Okay? So this is what we're dealing with here. He is mega, you know, was it ultra MAGA, whatever you want to call it. And, yes, it's very dangerous. Okay, this is what we're dealing with. All right, we're going to have a slightly... Uh, uh, more quiet show, a shorter show today, all right? It's been a really hectic, hectic week. So now, that was our very quick, short second story. Again, when we're dealing with uh, ultra MAGA like Sapatini, everybody needs to be aware, all right? They just do, because the corporate Democrats aren't going to protect minorities. We have to protect ourselves. And we may periodically post about Ultra MAGA so people know what's going on. Alrighty, so now we're going to go to our little feature, My Little Margie. Here we go. Welcome to PNN's My Little Margie. What is Margie going to do this week? Oh, what will our little Neanderthal girl do next? Hmm. Who knows? <laughs> 
What is she going to do next? Well, we'll never know because that's... Come on, Vern. That's what? There you go. That's our little Margie. Now, that theme song is from the old series in the 1950s titled My Little Margie. All right. So this week, wow, little Margie stepped into it, although whoever wrote the statement for her at least made her sound like she had some grammatic uh, prowess because it's obvious she didn't write the statement. So this is according to Yahoo.com. Marjorie Taylor Greene aims to cease Ukraine assistance, withdraw U.S. from NATO. Now, here's the thing. Whether you want the war between Russia and Ukraine to end, uh, whether you want Ukraine to just, you know, Russia back, whatever, the point is if the United States withdraws from NATO, the rest of Europe is vulnerable. Make no mistake about it. All right. Putin has aspirations, and in my opinion, his aspirations are to take over all of Europe and become the European dictator. Um, You have to realize what little Margie is asking Congress to do to defund NATO and withdraw plays right into Putin's hands. You know, we talked about how she's a happy little successionist, and in this instance, what she's doing isn't just dangerous, it's bordering on treason. It truly is. We have interest in making sure that Russia does not take over all of Europe. We just do. So little Margie filed six amendments, not only to end assistance to Ukraine, but also to have the United States withdraw from NATO. Now, this was during a House Rules Committee hearing on the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, And she's quoted as saying, quote, Uh, Let's see. The amendments really do target funding and the supply of arms and ammunition to Ukraine, quote, until a diplomatic solution to the war with Russia is reached. Now, Adela Margie criticized NATO. She said the alliance is, quote, not a reliable partner. Okay. She went on to say that the United States, quote, has been financing and promising to defend NATO countries for decades and paying more than its fair share. Western European countries could and should be stepping up their financial contributions to ensure the security of NATO. Instead, they are entirely beholden to Russia and U.S. taxpayers expected to foot the bill. End quote. Okay? Now, this, these remarks and her amendments come just as President Biden is actually in the Lithuanian, Lithuanian capital called Vilnius for a NATO summit. And Ukraine is a major point of discussion. Again, you have to realize our little Margie doesn't really give a damn about Europe or anything else. She is backing um, the traitor Trump who basically, you know, worked at the behest of Vladimir Putin. Trump is, you know, in my opinion, Putin's bitch. And so is our little Margie. Okay. So this, she has this long statement. Again, there's no way she wrote this. I'm sure of it. And then she ends the statement with her amendments that, again, someone else wrote with the following quote. I think we should all remind ourselves that with over 300 Americans dying every day from fentanyl, 
The enemy we should be concerned about is not about the borders and the defense of Ukraine against Russian aggression. We should be more concerned about the Mexican cartels who are killing Americans every single day. Thank you very much. I yield back, end quote. Again, she had to stick that in. It's all about people of color coming across our borders. Keep in mind, there is a problem with Mexican cartels. There is. But they're not, you know, nuclear capable. Putin is. So anyway, that's our little Margie. Uh, Once again, she just defies logic. You know, you have to wonder this lady. Our little Margie, you know, is she Neanderthal? Look at those guns of hers. Is she on male steroids? Is she trans? No one really knows. But that's our segment of My Little Margie. Okay. So that's My Little Margie for this week. Now, going back to this. All right. Now we're going to go back. We have a little time left. Yeah, we still have a little time. A couple more things. Now we're going to go to our Jackass of the Week Awards. Let's see. Here we go. Okay, that's not it. (laughs) Ignore the commercial. Here we go. Now we have PNN's Jackass of the Week Awards. Hold on, Jack. Oh, he never sounded more intelligent. All right. This week's Jackass of the Week is none other than Republican Senator Coach Tommy Tuberville. Now, apparently, Coach Tommy is holding up, again, uh, uh, parts of the NDA, parts of the defense authorization, uh, especially the part that promotes people in the military, because, you know, once again, he claims to be pro-life, and, you know, he doesn't really he has a problem with the military paying for uh, abortions for female service members, okay, where if they're stationed in a state like Alabama that doesn't allow abortion, the military is paying for their transport to get the procedure elsewhere. And Tuberville is holding up everything because of that. Now, keep in mind, Coach Tommy has made the statement, quote, There is no one more military than me, except for one little detail. He never actually served in the military. No, not at all. He's blocking these military promotions over abortion policy. Now, so not only does Coach Tommy truly uphold and embrace the stupid stubbornness of the mighty and noble jackass, but he has managed to epitomize the heart of hypocrisy itself. You see, no one, in my opinion, can claim the mantle of pro-life, Unless you're all the rest, unless you're the following, unless you're anti-war, even in cases of self-defense, anti-death penalty, pro-health care as a human right, pro-living wage, pro-equality, pro-civil rights for all, and vegan. So unless you're all those things, you cannot be pro-life. Now, Coach Tommy either doesn't understand these points or doesn't care. I don't know. Maybe his mama dropped him on his pointy head once too often as a baby. We'll never know. But congrats, Coach Tommy. You truly are a jackass in the spirit of massive jackassery. 
Bravo, Coach Tommy. Bravo. Okay. Take another drink here. Mm. We have a few minutes left. And we, well, more than a few minutes. So after this last little feature, if you want to call in with a question, we have time today. Okay, so the last part here, we're going back to Anthony Sabatini. Okay, so let me scroll on down here. My computer was giving me fits earlier. Come on. All righty. Give it a minute here. Sorry about this, folks. So once again, Anthony Sabatini. Now again, he is mega maga, and we just again we ask the question: How far is he willing to go beyond defunding the government uh, when he calls for extinguishing the left? All right. And Sabatini's been linked with Trump, and he's enjoyed many photo ops with the obese orange one. So. Here is our little tribute, our erudite commentary from none other than Randy Rainbow, and it's a dedication to Trump and his little bitch, Anthony Sabatini, from Randy Rainbow. Give it a second here, and here we go. It's a little slow to this. Okay, ignore that part. <laughs> Can't get rid of these commercials. All right, here we go.
Okay. Oh, I love Randy Rainbow. Anyway, that is our show for today. Uh, I just have one last thing to say here, okay? Um, You know, what we see here is an age of renewed, what can only be called Nazism, coming from the GOP of Trump. And it's being aided and abetted. Yes, by the cowards of the corporate democratic establishment. These two sides are playing the old game of good cop, bad cop, which is nothing more than gaslighting the public. So that being said, those like Marjorie Taylor Greene or My Little Margie or Anthony Sabatini, who vocally defend a monster like Trump, must be defeated and sent to the dustbin of history. They're peddlers of lies and worthy of the description by Joseph Heller in Catch-22 when he explained how their influence was able to take over society. To quote, quote, it was miraculous. It was almost no trick at all. He saw to turn vice into virtue and slander into truth, impotence into abstinence, arrogance into humility, plunder into philanthropy, thievery into honor, blasphemy into wisdom, Brutality into patriotism and sadism into justice. Anybody could do it. It required no brains at all. It merely required no character. Those are our final thoughts for today. Give you something to to think about. Uh, We don't have any callers. I'll wait a few minutes, but that's it. Uh, Again, I hope you enjoyed the show. And with that, I say good night and God bless us because we're going to need it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.